Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to part two of episode 20 uh, with Will Nash. If you are just listening and haven't listened to part one, stop and uh, go and listen to part one straight away. Otherwise, this will be confusing and you won't be getting the whole story and it won't be in order. Um, So go and check out episode 20, part one. Uh, And if you've listened to part one, uh, yeah, I'm glad you listened to part two. It's brilliant. And uh, as I said before, tons of detail about what we do, what we, (laughs) what Will does in the movie industry and what everyone does. And uh all based around me jumping into a swimming pool film set. Um, how's that for intriguing? Uh, check it out and subscribe. Leave a review. Check it out on Twitter at Ben Stewart PCAST. No, create more PCAST. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. So then, uh, then you buried a body, deleted the footage, and we'll never talk about it again. Yeah, I miss her. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> she was a frog. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, we're back again. Yeah. Now, now I feel I can justify two parter because yeah. we have gone out and got a beer. <laughs> yeah, a shandy. A man shandy. A man no, shandy. that sounds terrible. A man, <laughs> a man shandy. So. Um, <laughs> One of the so we'll get back to the films you made later, but, mm-hmm. but later, later, yeah, um, God, we haven't we got have to get to sleep. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but what I do want to know is, we'll start this off, is like actually what people do. Okay, what what then words mean? So, like, yeah. I, I get like a director. A director is like a composer. They they kind of yeah they direct everything. But I don't actually understand what a cinematographer does, and I don't understand okay. why you would need a scriptwriter for a three minute long film, uh. and I don't understand why you need a cinematographer for a three minute long film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or a producer. Yeah. I kind of assume that you would take on all those Just roles. Just Yeah. Because I don't know anything. I'd be like, why would I want all those extra yeah, yeah, yeah. people? You can do it yourself. And yeah. Carry on. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I used to struggle with that. I sometimes do still struggle with why yeah. we've got Ned over there. Like, he's not doing anything. Yeah. But he's getting paid a lot of money just to stand there. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, yeah, so cinematographer. Uh, I, cinematographer is probably one of the most important roles um in the whole process they're essentially in charge of the cameras that mm. you're going to shoot with and how everything's lit uh, and i'm glad you said that because that's what that's the thing i realized that why your film looks cinematic is because yeah. the way it's lit and it's yeah. and, and it's the one thing that you can't tell what the cinematographer's done yeah i can't tell you can probably yeah. tell yeah yeah obviously you're there, yeah but you know what i mean like i, I can tell a shot of yeah. when you've cut and the noise. Yeah. I get all that. I can hear it and see it. Yeah, yeah. But a cinematographer, it's just like a feel. It's, yeah, <laughs> or it a is. mood. It's, and you're like, oh, I don't know what he's done, but yeah. it looks amazing. It's crazy how a good cinematographer can kind of, you know, someone could shoot that same shot or that same scene without, uh, I mean, the shot design and the storyboarding was, was myself and then went through it with Tom, my DOP. Um, 
but director um, of photography. George of photography. Tom. Oh yeah, I know my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one I want to talk about. We'll, we'll start with cinematographer. Yeah. And um, but then, but yeah, one cinematographer could could shoot that, and it could in that same scene, and it could look absolutely pants. And another one can come over to it and go, right, how what what's going on, and try and understand why we would shoot stuff in a mm. certain way. There's a there's a few shots where there's a lot of negative space. Uh, in the shot so you've got the guy's head in the bottom corner of the frame as opposed to having it more in the the main side of the frame Uh, and doing things like that you know you're showing more of the background and what's going on Mm. um, and giving sort of this nicer element to what he the guy's talking about some serious stuff uh, at the same time he's being ignored by the doctor so having that kind of disconnects our guy slightly from what's going on that's Um, interesting because just hearing you talk about negative space it's not do kind of the same in architecture, but it's not something I would have ever thought while watching a film. I obviously yeah. subconsciously think it. And I, yeah. when I was saying, you know, I wanted to like do my little short film, or whatever, yeah. I was obviously thinking of shots. Yeah. But I'm only, I know they'd be cool, but that's because I've seen them in other films. Yeah. It's cool. I'm just replicating things that I've loved in other films. Yeah. I don't, but I don't understand why, why people why, would use those know, shots. Like, why is a tracking shot more important than a panning shot or yeah. a face shoot? Like, yeah. I know they, it would have all to anyone who doesn't understand film. It would look yeah. like a film, but anyone to understand film would be like, yeah. he's doing every. Why has he done that? To but that I think shot? as well, if someone shot it badly, mm. for someone who doesn't work in film, you would see it yeah. and go, "Oh, you'd feel uncomfortable." Mm. I think. Uh, I think uh, being successful at doing this is understanding <clears throat> what is pleasant for the audience uh, and engages with the audience. Um, and there's certain things that we like that people try and do that gives off certain reactions and feelings and everything. And you kind of learn what those are yeah. and then you start using it. And then you've got like this in the back of your head, this pack catalog of like, okay, we're going to do it. Look like we're going to do a tracking shot along here now uh, because it does this and this. Whereas someone else might just put the camera down and just film it plain mm. and there's no movement in it. And so it's boring to watch. Um, so yeah, you kind of, which is what I've been trying to learn over the sort of 10 years of doing everything anyway is, watching why people do things and people's reactions to things over just going, well, I know the camera works. We're working with cameras for ages. So I'm yeah. just going to shoot anything. Like that's, that's great learning all that stuff. And you know, it's part of my day to day job, but what I'm more fascinated with is almost like the psychology of why when you watch something and it's shot in a certain way, you're more engaged with it than if someone shot it and they didn't shoot it in that way. Mm. So, Can I ask a, a technical question? Yeah. Um, just move my microphone forward. Um, uh, in your what's what's the you did a kind of a short film or a trailer? I couldn't I couldn't work out. It was the beginning of a film. Anyway, it's about a hit woman. Yes. Or a, yeah. Uh, for the uh, yeah. Um, so that was for this company, Blockstop. Who? Um, so they do like an interactive theatre. Um, so it's like a play. It, it's a play where uh, basically one of the audience members will be in control, pretty much of the the main actress. Um, and oh, it's kind awesome. of like yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a theatre cross with a computer game. Oh, wicked! It's really cool. Uh, and they wanted so they're basically upping their game and doing really well at the moment. And they wanted to. Um, have a film at the start of their play that kind of set the tone and set mm. the scene of what was going on. So we had the actors from the play came over, they gave us a script, kind of worked through it all together. Uh, and then just, they were, they were after like a sort of Nordic noir kind of yeah, feel yeah, yeah. Um, to it um, because that's what it What was, was the film called again? It was 
so that was called By the End of Us. By the End of Us. was the name of the play. Yeah. And so this film was then shot uh, and played, the first four minutes was like played when the audience got there. So it was kind of like you start watching a film and then it becomes real life and you're in the play. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool because I kind of love the idea that um, like when I've gone to some plays before, I've seen bits of film projected in the background. And mm. I've always kind of thought, oh, it'd be nicer if we can integrate film and theatre a bit more. And I understand why people do it separately. But it was nice kind of... <laughs> Sorry, I've got a bit of gas. <laughs> bit, of, bit of shandy. Um, yeah, no, it was cool seeing... The, the technical that, question I want to ask yeah. right, was... Uh, obvious, I was watching them going, well, has he done that? Has he done that? Yeah. And... Uh, in that, there's a, there's a few static shots of the cameras ever so slowly moving up and down. And yeah. I was wondering, is that you actually stood there or is that a static tripod one and you've put like a very subtle effect on to make it look like it's... Because yeah. kind of, it, it feels more kinetic because the camera's moving. Yeah. It's quite supposed to be a tense scene, isn't it? Yeah. And I was thinking... Because I was, I guess suddenly I was watching it like thinking, well, how have they done that? They've got her walking, handing the key, right? Yeah. You got, okay, they've got the short and they're putting the earphone in. Yeah. And those those shots, because they were like, I wasn't sure if you'd got actual handheld footage and yeah. do that time warp thing in yeah. Premiere Pro, which smooths it. Yeah. Or you'd actually just put a movement filter on it to make it look like it's moving. The first one. Yeah. So we shot the whole thing handheld. Um, for the Primarily it was for the effect that it yeah. would give. Uh, and secondly... Because of like time, born, born identity, yeah, kind of born, yeah, yeah. but without being throwing up, born, yeah, you know, when you're watching, you go, I can't handle this, yeah, um, but yeah, so we, so we, yeah, we shot it all handheld, and then in post, we just stabilized it a lot mm. more than you would. Uh, I think we shot it at 4K resolution, and it was only projecting at 2K or 1080p. So then that means you can, can you can come right in on the picture, which is good. So then we could stabilize everything nicely, and um, yeah. Can I ask you a nerdy question? Different. Because I, uh, so, <clears throat> okay, this is an aside and we'll come back yeah, to yeah. you again. I just, I, I have a film <laughs> director here and me. I can finally <laughs> ask you technical questions and for all the listeners who mm. know, who want to know. So I love the GoPro cameras and yeah. they're terrible quality in comparison to a hundred thousand uh, pound film camera. What's the lenses on them though? Yeah. They're really wide. Yeah. They're, which, yeah. but for filming action sequences, I love, but yeah. I guess my question was, um, 1080p yeah. is basically what our TVs are in currently. HD, yeah, yeah. HD, unless yeah. you've got 4K for India, and then you're yeah. too rich and you have too much money because there's no content for but it. But then you'll always, if you're watching like standard broadcast TV on your 4K TV, it's always going to be 1080 at the moment. Yeah. Because it gets down compressed by the TV channels and mm. then pumped back out. So unless you're watching yeah. a 4K DVD or 4K Blu-ray, okay. you're not going to, like, I, my thing with 4K TVs at the moment is that, that... Unless you're watching time-lapse footage, yeah. which is 4K and yeah. perfect. Unless but you're guess, John Lewis watching your TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or you put a memory stick in, you're literally yeah, feeding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're saying yeah. literally the TV channels don't have the capacity. They, to... they just they broadcast 1080. <sighs> so uh, I don't know whether or not there's like some things where they Netflix might Netflix does, it. but you have to pay more for it. Yeah, probably, because they like doing that. And you need like a hosepipe-sized optical cable yeah. fed into your house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but sorry, so here's my question. Yeah. Here's my question, Will. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's my question. Uh, is it better to film in 4K yeah. and then shrink it down to 1080p, or is it just the same to do it in just 1080p? Depends why. Uh, let's say... I'm leaping into a swimming pool and I want it to look crystal clear if we drop a little of water to come out. I would say, so, I mean, if you're filming with a GoPro, I I mean, I'll probably put it at 4K. I think they can do 25 frames now, can't they? It used to be like 12 frames a second at 4K. Well, here's my next thing. So you either get the Hero 4 Black, which does 4K at 30 frames a second, yeah. but doesn't yeah. have a viewfinder on the back. 
Oh no, I had to buy one for my one, which is yeah. really annoying. Yeah, yeah. But the silver, yeah, does come with it. Okay. But you can't film thirty frames a second at four K. You can only film two and two point seven. Decided to get rid of that to put the thing on the back. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of bandwidth yeah. thing for the memory cards. So, uh, I was like, I don't care about that. I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm not going to film films in it. I just want it for yeah, fun yeah. and holiday. Yeah, and yeah. Also, unless I've got terabytes of hard disk space, yeah. I'm going to munch through all of that. I'd say 1080 then. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fine, stuff. is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're gonna. I mean, I think even most... I do uh, have aspirations to film more. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think even um, a lot of films are only kind of... I think they're projected at like 2K and 3.2K at the moment. Uh, so 2.7K at 30 frames a second, scaled down to 1080p yeah. is still amazing. Yeah. Is, is that yeah, better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at least then I guess um, it depends if you're... So it depends if you're like scaling in on the shot yeah. to down to 1080 or if you're just compressing down to the shot. Like they're kind of... Oh, another different. technical question. Yeah. No, I'm good. This is good. This yeah. is, if people are listening, so maybe this is maybe. If you, this is... Yeah, if you shot it at two two point seven k, you've so. I mean, it's not between two and ten eighty. There's not a biggest difference. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not like it's doubled. It's only because part of me I've was got thinking... a picture somewhere. I show you. It's like okay. frame lines. It's really yeah. Cool. So I, I mean, look, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved when I once I get something in my head that I want to yeah. buy. It, I do endless research. Yeah. It drives my wife absolutely mental. Yeah. Are you going to buy? Are you, are you paying for something? No. Yeah. No. So I've told her the gold price is like a hundred quid. Is yeah. it a hundred quid? I'm like. Yeah, it's not. It's significantly more expensive than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a baby now. Yeah. Yeah. You want baby GoPro cam? Yeah. You just stick it on his head and just like... And then I saw you can get a handheld gimbal for it. And I was like... Yeah. She was like, how much is that? I'm like, it's like 30 quid. Yeah. They're from China. They're yeah, like yeah, 150 yeah. quid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... But is it better to film at 1080p at 60 frames a second or 1080p at 30 frames a second? Depends. Like, it depends it's on all you're doing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's all like being on holiday. Well, I guess... Say you're like jumping into a pool, yeah, and you wanted a nice slow motion shot, yeah. Then you'd go a higher frame rate, yeah. Uh, it depends what you're editing as well. So over here, we traditionally would edit at 25 frames, and yeah. like 25 frames is our base rate. In America, it's 24 frames. So you're then kind of having to divide whatever you're shooting at by 20 frame, 25. Yeah. So it would be better to shoot at 75 frames than 60 because it's easier yeah. to kind of do. Um, yeah. So if you did want slow motion, shoot at a higher frame rate. Okay. If you just want someone jumping in the pool, um, yeah, annoyingly, that is annoying if it shoots at thirty instead of twenty-five frames because you've then got to bring it back down to twenty-five. It, it might do twenty-five. I it might do twenty-five. So I'm going on holiday. So I need a cinematographer. I yeah. need a director of photography. Yeah. Uh, I can write the script myself. It's yeah. just jumping in the pool. You need a gaffer. Yeah. Uh, what does? The, okay, hand. So. Okay. So what this does a cinematographer do? So cinematographer head of so pretty much the head of lighting department and the camera department. Lighting. Uh, and they will. It's it's like if you imagine the director's the architect, yeah, and the cinematographer's the engineer. Okay, so oh, the architect goes, "Hey, cracking metaphor." Yeah, yeah. I told this Chris once; he, he was very impressed. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I get it now." Yeah, duh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're architects. <laughs> I once uh, a friend of ours at college went off to be an engineer, and there was um, and this was brilliant. I love putting Chris in these scenarios and winding him up. Um, and there was some building where, like, e like the design, someone was chatting about how that each floor would rotate individually. Yeah. And so everyone could have their own 360 view whenever they wanted. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. And, well, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. And Chris was like, yeah, it's amazing. It's really cool. And my, our friend Mark from college was like, yeah, but uh, come on. Like, as an engineer, he was like, this is stupid. How are you going to get from one floor to the next without getting your legs chopped off as you're going through the stairs or something? <laughs> and so I just went, Chris, Mark, 
engage <laughs> and they just went at each other and I was like this is brilliant like it's so stupid it's, but it's so amazing stupid. they're pushing yeah. the boundaries and it's like oh, oh it's so beautiful and, and I was like yeah, I can see like and I think that's the constant fight between directors and cinematographers as well is well in some cases and uh, I kind of feel that maybe I'm slightly more relaxed than mm. that because I've come from the camera background I obviously understand what we can achieve yeah and I'll try and push it a little bit if I can but I won't ask for a rotating house where every floor rotates yeah. because I know logistically people are going to get their legs chopped off as they go yeah. between floors. Which is bad. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Bad. Insurance thing, maybe. Insurance, got yeah. it. Because we have a running joke with the guy who does the renders here um, yeah. called Zach that I come over and go, can you make it a bit lighter, a bit lighter and a bit darker? And he's like, fucking every time. Yeah. Just, no. Just the cinematographer's like, look, I, you can't cheat light. And you're like, can you just, Make it lighter and yeah. darker in the back. I was, uh, yeah. So I was on a, I was on a green flag commercial last year, and it was all it was, was the insurance company. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, the roadside, roadside they pull you over and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the uh, yeah, I was a camera assistant on that shoot, and I was uh, with my friend Matt, who was the focus puller, and uh, a guy Sam, who was the DOP, and we, were, you know, it was kind of one of the shoots where it didn't seem like enough stuff had been prepped. It was all kind of against us, and um, the. We came to the last scene and this this van's supposed to pull up and these guys are dressed in like cheerleader outfits. They're going off to a stag do. And oh, men. Yeah. Oh, damn it. And, uh, Come on, Will. <laughs> yeah. Could have worked in the script a bit. But, um, the, uh, so basically, we'd been shooting all day. We'd kind of like worked through lunch. Uh, we were losing the light and uh, Sam, the DOP, rightly said, like, we need to crack on because we need to shoot the scene and we're losing sunlight. And once we've lost it, yeah. you know, this becomes a night scene. Uh, and I remember it was, it was, I think it was a director it, it was, it was someone, uh, maybe at the advertising agency just, I said, can you not just pull out like one of your lights? And it was like, what to replicate the sun? Yes. My like, sunlight. I mean, there are lights that do that, Yeah, but not when you're kind of traveling around motorways, filming stuff, you're not going to be carrying one of those around with you. So, uh, I, I always remember that just being like, yeah. uh, you guys are the, you guys are in charge. <laughs> and you so, the, for like, so the cinematographer can't, doesn't have a sunlight is what you're saying. Yeah. Just I a mean, torch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of jokes how cinematographers think they're gods. Yeah. Know. Um, how do you know you didn't want to be a cinematographer? I did for a bit, but then I think it was the kind of, so the cinematographer, you, because I mean, you're, you're in charge a lot with how the shots are done. You can you can ultimately say like whether or not a shot's going to work or not because you would know technically how it's going to happen and you could you could be like the stopper to that shot happening. Cinematographer sounds more like an assistant director than it is what I imagine. Yeah, yeah. An, you are an assistant to the yeah. director. Your yeah. role is the light, the half of the scene, basically. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, think they're, I think they're on par with the directors as well. Um, I know a lot kind of directors will be like, I am the director. And yeah. I think they are on par with it because they're creating what the director wants and yeah. I think they're equally as important with it. Because um, I know Christopher Nolan like clings on to his director of photography. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, I lost my... Where are we? Uh, yeah. Cinematographer. <laughs> so I'm at a swimming pool. I've got my oh, cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you've got a cinematographer. Then you'd need... Then I would say... What do I need to direct photography? What's he doing here? So he's going to be like, right... Well, the director would be like, okay, here's the action. Ben's going to walk over to the pool yeah. from the right side, yeah. go on the diving board and jump off. Okay. The cinematographer would be like, yeah. right, so what do we need to capture from this? And it's like, well, we need his face reactions and we need the jump and stuff. And it's like, okay, well, it'll be a few cameras then to get, because you're going to do this jump. So the director literally, that's a really good example then. So that, so I'm going to dive off a diving board. Yeah. I'm going to do a crazy high five move in the yeah. air. Uh, so the director goes, this is this is the scene. Yeah. He's going to dive in. Yeah. And I want... he. 
He's scared but happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the cinematographer goes, right, you're going to need a zoom in on his face. Exactly. You're going to uh, probably need a camera on the face <clears> because if you're jumping off the board and doing a high five or yeah. a silly move, I guarantee you won't be able to replicate that again. Yeah. So you then need to be able to shoot it from a wide shot to get like a big wider oh, so you do size like of it. Multiple. So you'd have like a few cameras. And the cinematographer's the working this out, not the director. Well, the, dire- like, the director, like, I, a- I want the feet going along the diving board. Yeah, like it's kind of a conversation between the two. The director will mainly uh, okay. say what he wants. I mean, I did not know this. Yeah, because I've because I started off in camera. I kind of when I'm thinking of these things, I'm mm. thinking more along the lines of, okay, well, I want like a 24 mil shot on the guy's feet over there, roughly, and then yeah. we'll have like 75 mil on your face from that side. So, I'm, like, I'm slightly more technical, yeah. maybe. Than some, uh, you get some directors who are really technical, some directors who aren't technical at all, but are then fantastic with their actors, um, and uh, fantastic in other ways. So yeah, then the cinematographer will work it all out, and then on top of that, you need to light the scene. So that's when your gaffer comes in. Your gaffer's the head of the lighting department. I thought cinematography was the lighting. Well, he's in charge of, like, so the gaffer is like, Does this in- oh, wow. yeah, wow, okay. So here's right. a whole new department that's going to come out. Oh, <laughs> Shut the front door. I had no yeah. idea all this existed. Okay, so the director... So you could have a scene where the director's actually chatting really intently with the actors. Yeah. Me, yeah. diving off the diving board. Yeah. He's like, Ben, I really want to emote this. Yeah, yeah. And the cinematographer's actually working out where the camera and what shots How are the camera's going, yeah. Uh, where the lights are then going, he's talking that through with the gaffer and the gaffer then goes off and with these guys, they'll go and set up all the lights. Um so then, so the cinematographer goes, right, we want this amazing sunset. So the sun setting in the background, yeah, so he yeah. jumps. And then the gaffer goes, okay, who decides what time of day to shoot if you're going to try and achieve that? Or do you all have a conversation? It, it, it probably would have been, it, that probably would have happened before you got on set that okay. day. So okay. maybe in the script writing process, it would have said like uh, sunset, Ben jumps off diving yeah. board. Great scene. Script. Great yeah. scene. <laughs> Exterior, Ben jumps off diving board. Uh, splash. So gaffer's in tr- gaffer's in charge of all the lighting equipment. Then. Yeah, right. And then below him is the best boy. So that's like his second in command. And then you've got all your sparks or lighting technicians, but they yeah. get named sparks. Um, and the director of photography, what's he doing? Uh, so he is in charge. He's kind of in charge of the lighting department. I mean, the gaffer's like the head one of the lighting department, but yeah. he's then in charge of them. The gaffer's like they're always like best mates. Mm. Right, guys, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, you want a light over there? Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I always put that twelve k out for you. It'll be lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want it on the left? Yeah, right, nice. And it's in the top. Yeah, yeah, that'd be lovely. And um, oh, is it literally as kind of as clear cut as that? They're like the wide boys in the gaffer department. And the cinematographers are very artsy and. Well, yeah, sometimes. Can like, we do it in black and white? No, no, no. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then you got your riggers as well with the lighting department, which is kind of like a. Uh, it's not quite lighting department, but they'll be build like your scaffolding that the sets get built onto, but also the lighting rigs will get built onto that and the camera mm. rigs get built onto. So they're like their own separate department, um, which kind of, they're kind of like a world of their own. Um, and yeah, the, wow, those ones. So then you've got a sound department. So we're going to record the sound of your splash. Yeah. Um, Foley artist. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's more post-production. Oh, but, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. on set, you'd have your sound recordist. Yeah. Uh, you'd have a boom operator and probably a sound assistant as well. Uh, and maybe even a sound trainee. Um, the boom operator will probably be standing with his boom on his long boom pole uh, with it out of shot. You know, if it's lots of multiple cameras, it's quite hard because... Yeah. Does he can, get in trouble if he's in shot then? Is it like a running like gag? a lot. They yeah. always... Yeah, constantly. It's in the shot again! God damn it! It'll be like... So, the, yeah, the camera operator will be on the camera just like sitting there. Like a, sh- like a shifty sniper. Yeah, isn't it, it is. Like, they are. They're like bloody <laughs> snipers and they're sitting there and then we just suddenly just hear like, boom in shot. Boom in shot. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're just like, oh, quick, 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 get out, get out. They just get such a hard route the whole time. Because, I mean, I remember doing it once on a, like a corporate shoot holding the boom for like two minutes during the take. And I was like, that's a long time to keep your arms in the yeah. air holding that. And I never want to do that again. So I've like all due credit to people who hold a boomstick for that long. It's just like, ripped ninja like well, guys. Aren't they? <laughs> sometimes they're not. And you're like, like I, like I go to the gym a little Fag bit. Fag hanging out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Like, they're really, like, <laughs> but they're just, I don't know what it is. I think there's something genetically built into them where their arms can just lock in that position. Yeah. They're just quiet, silent it, people. Yeah. Just. But they kind of, but also having to know you've got to keep the boom you know, roughly above the actor mm. while they're doing the lines and everything and out of shot at the same time. And the closer you can keep the, like, if I'm right here, like, send the microphone, Lovely. it probably sounds better. Whereas so if I'm all the way back here, yeah, it's, you're getting the atmosphere and everything that's going growing around. So you want to be this close, but at the same time, the edge of the frame might be literally between me and the microphone right now. Yeah. And if that comes in, <laughs> you've ruined the shot. Well, one of the things I was really impressed with yours is, like, the sound quality is amazing. Oh, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 really good. Like, as in this quality good. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, I don't understand. I, had a pro. <laughs> I don't understand how you can get the mic above and get quality that good. You didn't do any ADR. <laughs> no. <laughs> God damn, um, I love those extras. Yeah. But, uh, so Joe Harris, uh, fantastic sound recordist, came Harris, on. Joe Harris. Joe Harris. <laughs> you right, mate. You right. I'm Joe Harris. Uh, no, he's lovely. Uh, so we had radio mics on the actors, um, which are then kind of what just, just hidden... placed underneath uh, the clothing. Okay. That's an art form in itself. I've tried to do that before and it's just got in trouble. Yeah. Like yeah. how someone gets it on without like going on with the rustling of the shirts. I, I, like it's brilliant what they do. And then at the same time he was uh, boom. So he was sound recording and boom operating at the same time, which okay. was a bit bonkers, but like doable. Um, so that's what, and then especially for Brian, our main actor in that, he had such gravitas to his voice so deep and like you know sent him off for a cigarette before he started the scene to make it even deeper <laughs> and uh but yeah so that was a so he did a fantastic job on that so yeah then you got your sound guys normally shoot so we're going to get the recording of you saying some stupid line before you go off the diving board yeah, like yeah. oh i love you mom yeah <laughs> and then you're going to jump off and then we need to get the recording of the splash as well uh but the boom operators have got to get that sound without getting in say we've got five cameras getting these shots yeah and they're all at different angles and the cameras aren't in each other's shots, so that's well choreographed yeah. by the cinematographer. The boom operator's now got to do the same thing, yeah. but get close to you as possible without fucking up the shots. Yeah. Um, and then what else? Ah, so we've had to build the diving board that wasn't there. Okay. So we've had a production designer come in and design the sets. Yeah. Uh, Can it be a knob-shaped diving board? Pretty much, okay, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good, okay, good. <laughs> With like Ben written at the top of the little spurty bit. <laughs> no, but the ball's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and the diving board's coming out the top end. Um, Oscar worthy, this Yeah, is. so production designers designed that, and then they've got an art director who will be on set. There'll be a set designer and a, a set dresser and set builder, construction team. That's like a whole, that's like a building site lot. They're incredible. And They'll for your then, latest film, how much of this stuff did you have? Did you, have you had a cinematographer. Yeah, I had a cinematographer, had a sound recordist. We didn't have a production design because uh, I think there was... We were going to have someone and then we didn't and then it was kind of coming last minute. And it was quite a simple production design anyway, not to kind of take away the value of what they do. You had a gorgeous house to film. We had a gorgeous house to film. And uh, and like some of the sets were really basic. Yeah. And I made it purposely basic because I wanted to concentrate on more what was going on in the action. Um, yeah, then we had Hugh, uh, who was the gaffer, who was fantastic and can literally 
create feelings and shapes out of lights. He's brilliant. Him and Tom, the cinematographer, together, like, did a fantastic job making that all happen. Uh, what else do we have? So then we had all that. Ah, oh, my friend Natalie was a costume designer. Uh, so brought out some fantastic costumes. Um, when we first met up as well, one of my big key things I like doing is having lots of colour in things. Mm. And I like to kind of set each character as a certain colour in a way or a certain like shade of colours. Yeah. Uh, so for the doctors, they're in shades of blue, nurses in blue, the old guys in green, um, and, and ice cream in the first film. Ice cream man's obviously in white, but I like I made him, everything was white. It wasn't yeah. like white t-shirt and jeans. Everything was white, white trousers, uh, well, cowboy shoes. Um, and the mum was all in pink, the boys in blue, just loads of bold colours. So yeah. Natalie, when she came on to do this, was really keen with that as well. And I thought did a fantastic job with that. Who uh, who, who paid for all this? The kind people through Indiegogo. Hey, did you do it on yeah, Kickstarter? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, Indiegogo. Crowd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... Crowdfunding, crowdfunding. I crowdfunding website that yeah. should be unnamed. Yeah. Um, no, Indiegogo, which I... I do prefer Indiegogo to Kickstarter in that if you don't hit your target, you get your money still, which is good. Yeah. Whereas I think still with Kickstarter, you have to reach the target, otherwise you don't get anything. And I think even if you've got your money behind you, you then got to put it into the Kickstarter and it's kind of like you feel like you've not raised as much. Yeah. Whereas Indiegogo, so we, I think in total we raised like three and a half, four in total. And how did you know who to market that? You didn't just put it on blindly. Did you specifically target certain sides, parts of Indigo, Indiegogo? It's kind of, the, the thing I found with Indiegogo and Kickstarter, it's like when you're, when you're doing a 10K run or a London Marathon, um, it's re- like, it's really hard to get people to get like, especially nowadays, if you went and did a marathon like 10 years ago, people were like, yeah, here's some money. Yeah, yeah. you did a marathon. That's an incredible thing. Everyone does a marathon nowadays. Yeah. My friends does... are like, I'm not going to pay you to do something you want to do. I'm like, yeah. no, I, I'm not getting but the money yeah, myself. Yeah. It's going to this <laughs> charity where people need it. Yeah. And, like, and then and then when you try and do the same thing and it's like, they're like, what are you fundraising for? I'm going to make a film. Oh, so it's not for a charity? No. Is it going to go towards a charity or something? No, I just want to make a film. Yeah. And give me your money, please. And loads of people are just like, you know, wouldn't reply. Um, so I find that Indiegogo and Kickstarter are great platforms to have everything there, but I don't think they're a source of getting the money. I th- and I think a lot of people go onto them and think, oh, I'm going to start a Kickstarter and then I'll just get 10 grand in a couple of weeks and it'd be great. So it's you like, literally just went on Indiegogo, yeah, made a, f- a trailer, I presume, or like yeah. you filmed yourself going, hi, I'm Will, I want to do a film. Yeah, yeah. And then you got <laughs> four grand for it. Mm. I'm gonna need to go well, on the inc- like, and see what you did for this. Private do, do you dance a little stuff. bit, or we had um, the. Ma- <laughs> I should have done a dance. I would have made more money, maybe. I'm so impressed. This um, is amazing. We uh, so the main doctor, uh, Dannings, the lovely actor Dannings, came in, and the the production company Upbeat that helped me with this. Um, we filmed in their studios, and they'd written a little crowdfunding script mm. um, where the the doctor approaches everyone and says, "Look, we're trying to do these." things with science and uh we oh you to, did like a film inside a film yeah film. Oh, that's quite and cool. then we were kind of like we're not asking for funding for the science of it we've got all that sorted we need funding for the recording of it in full hd and color with sound equipment and you know the best motion capturing technology around and it was kind of that uh 1930s 40s sort of grainy yeah four by three yeah. kind of screen well, thing going on which was really cool with the noise of the film and it would just and we shot it in like two shots and it would just jump cut between things where you know, maybe an editor would have rushed back then and fucked up the cuts. And, yeah. Um, so that that was really nice. But um, 
and it was good to have a video and it was good. We kind of, we slowly released bits of information. So we didn't release everything that was going on straight mm. away, mainly because things weren't hundred percent confirmed as well. And you don't really want to be publicizing that like, Hey, we've got this person with us and yeah. we're filming at this place. And then it gets pulled away because you look stupid. Yeah. Um, so then the next bit was, you know, we put it out there and we put out links on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all this malarkey and we got a few things straight away and then it just went dead and it was like, ah, oh, okay. And I was like, this isn't as easy as like, as, as Well, that's think. what I'd imagine would yeah. happen, right? Because like, oh. pe people don't go on Indiegogo and go, oh, I'm going to go on Indiegogo and see if I can put some money today. Yeah. You know, like that's never going to happen. Um, so then it was, I ended up approaching about uh, 600 people through Facebook individually polite 600 people it's like a lot of friends oh aren't you big deal <laughs> 600 people yeah, yeah i think so i mean it's kind of less now because people just left yeah. i think hey gary i know we haven't seen each other yeah. since secondary school but uh yeah one of my film. friends this friend of mine david who i haven't seen since secondary school he um oh no i think i think i briefly saw him after college or something but he messaged me going uh and he'd been out drinking and he'd come home and just opened his facebook and been like oh a message from will i haven't heard from him in ages and he just wrote to me going, oh, so I got a message from you thinking, not heard from you ages, wondering what you're doing, catching up. And you're asking me for money. Thanks. And I was like, uh, yeah, sorry. And he went, yeah. oh, here's 25 quid. And I was like, oh, okay. And we were chatting for a bit and he was obviously drinking a bit more. And I was coming home from a night out as well. So we're just, you know, laughing around about things. And uh, and then he just went, oh, I'm going to give you another 25 quid because it's great to hear from you and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I got a message from him the next day going, can I get any of that money back? And I was like, I'm really sorry, but it's kind of gone through into the system. And like, but thanks. Like, you'll get a special thank you. <laughs> Which he is. Which he has. Yeah. He's now had a special thank you on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, and his name's at the end of the film in the special credits as well. Okay. Well done, David Honkish. But, uh, Good man. <laughs> Drunkenly give you 50 quid. I know. That, that is a good source of getting money. Go and chat to people when they're pissed. Yeah. And people get excited. People get excited about films anyway. And they're like, yeah. oh, films, filmmaking's great and it's glamorous and la la la. Yeah. And if you're chatting to people sober, like they get, they do get a bit excited. But the moment you then go, yeah, we're <clears> making a film. Do you want it? And they're like, ah, no, 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 it's fine. Like we'll just watch it when it's made. It's like, well, it won't get made unless. So I remember going out a few times uh, and just drinking with people and then bringing up the subject. And they so you just did a lot of drinking. Yeah, a little drunk. You, you know, for for the good cause. So how long does it take you to raise your target then? I think we did it. Uh, so we we ran it for thirty days and we got. What did we get? So without the private, so some people didn't want to give us money through Indiegogo because Indiegogo takes a certain percentage of it. Mm. Um, so they just gave us money um, on the side. Uh, so I think within like 30 days, we raised like three grand of it. Yeah, just oh, over right. three grand. Yeah, like 3,300 or something. Um, and then the rest kind of trickled in at different points. Wow. Which was good. So you spent the grand on the sheepskin fur coat you're wearing right now and yeah. then the rest is just spent the on the film. The rest we kind of, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I look really nice. <laughs> the diamond cane's a nice touch. It's good. But so I like... Swatsky. How do you, so you said you got friends involved. So mm -hmm. what? The, but all the money was basically the insurance, the cameras, hiring the venue. Yeah. Uh, well, cane. not so much insurance, the cameras this time. So Tom had his own camera equipment, but has his own high-end cinematic equipment. So Who's Tom, the cinematographer? Tom's the cinematographer, Tom. Lovely Tom. The brains behind the operation. Brilliant. <laughs> like, the saviour. Um, yeah, he, uh, so he had his own kit, which was, which is great. Um, so that kind of, that, like. Not another £100,000 camera. Uh, I don't think it's quite as much as that, but it's in the league. What is he, a those. drug dealer? How do, he, how, like, uh, yeah, he does pretty well. How the hell do you get, like. So he, he, he works mainly as a, have you seen the, like, Steadicam rigs? 
uh, steady shots and yeah, it's like, yeah. like like Ripley and Aliens where yeah. you've got the gun attached to it. Yeah. So that thing. So there's like these smaller rigs that have come out recently. Uh, one's called a Movi and one's called a Ronin. And he's got uh, a few of those that he's invested Wicked. in with friends. And yeah. then they kind of, and they go off and they do loads of shoots. And so I met him on shoots when he came on as a, a Movi operator with these small high-end cinematic cameras. Uh, and we just got chatting. And I was like, do you want to like come and work and do a short film? That'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, no, the majority of the money then went into the National Trust's pocket because uh, they like to charge short films the same amount of money as the big feature films and TV guys. Like there was no kind of... I guess their argument is, well, you're stopping a major feature film from filming. So and you're like, yeah. you're not that booked. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, we were filming in rooms that weren't being used by the public. So like it's not like anyone was going to be using them anyway. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was that was a huge amount of our budget went into that and costume as well. Mm. which I didn't realise how much went into costume until uh, when we finished filming and I was like, oh crap, that's a lot of money for... In terms of like costume and uh, costume design and stuff, yeah. were you like, I could save a lot of money if I just go to a antique store and just buy old stuff or was that totally integral yeah, to you your... you kind of could, but then in that same way that if you're doing stuff I'm like that... I'm not undermining it. it no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that same way, if you're... If you're I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to hope makes things stand out is that by doing... But, you know, go to an antique shop or a charity <clears throat> shop to buy costumes, you might as well then be going off and shooting it on the 5D and having torches instead of lights and uh, yeah, getting right. your mates to act in it. Like, you've kind of started already. Slope. Yeah, you just started dropping the bar already. Um, so you might as well try and keep everything up as high as possible. And, yeah, and you, you can see there's, a lot, there's always a lot of talk of production value and how much of that is seen on screen. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to try and keep that production value up as high as possible with this one. So your nine-minute film, as a team, what, five of you? Uh, I want on the shoot day itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, makeup, uh, Liana and a hairstylist, Helen. Um, and there, who else did we have? Uh, my nephew, Luke, who is always my runner at the moment because uh, he's doing his GCSE, so I just rove him in. I'm like, I Perfect. need a runner. Perfect. And when he learns to drive, he can be a runner driver. Yeah. Which would be great. He would love it. Yeah. I hated that. But um... <laughs> <laughs> you're now that guy. It's such a great experience. Yeah, you can yeah. understand the industry. Yeah. I hate being a runner. Yeah. Grow up. Grow up, Luke. Get on yeah. with it. You don't know. Um, who else did we have? And then we had our producer, Zara. Uh, we then had Tom from Upbeat, who was doing behind the scenes photography, and Kieran, who was doing the sort of. They're called EPKs, which are electronic press kits, which is like behind the scenes uh, video. Uh, which don't know what that means. What does that mean? Behind the scenes video. So you know when you watch DVD of like how they made Lord of the Rings. Oh, you did a making of. We had a making of going on at the oh, same time. I didn't know. So there'd be like video shots of me just sat there with a the monitor in my hand, going. Don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I really want to go home. Yeah. I'm quite tired and I've not slept. Yeah. Oh, I'm being filmed. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, action. <laughs> so I, I haven't watched that. I didn't know you did a making of. Yeah, that's being made at the moment because uh, oh, okay. they wanted for the film to be finished and then they can drop in like, oh, here's Will chatting about a scene and here's the scene. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. That would be yeah. I'm quite yeah. looking forward to that. It'd be cool to see uh, how much your knobhead I look like on set, <laughs> telling people what to do. <laughs> like, You're just a real bastard. Yeah, on set. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, <laughs> say your lines. Properly, yeah. and just punch people in the face. Just do it again. <laughs> do it again. Yeah. Do it this time again. How many without you... looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make eye contact with me. Open yeah. the door for me. Nobody look at the director. He's in the room. How many like takes do you do? Because okay, so mm. it's like the thing about your film and what I'm suddenly realizing yeah. is I haven't noticed 
the hair, the costumes, and the makeup, yeah. which is a massive but that's compliment good. because it, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, it is a film. Yeah. Whereas if his hair was crap and his like he just looked yeah, knackered, you'd pick up on yeah. it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I what I'd I'd love is that if, if people watch it and don't notice yeah any flaws, and then it means that we've done our job properly. But like, how many times? Ta- like, because I, I okay, so I, some actors obviously will understand there's a process to to acting, and yeah. you know, the first couple of takes you're getting warmed up, and yeah. the third one you're there. But like, yeah. are you like you have a real clear image in your head of what you want? Yeah. Now it needs to be said like this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's blunt. No, as no, that. no, no. You know no. what I mean? How yeah. many takes of like did you do? Um. So Brian, our main actor, I had a rehearsal day with him the day before, um, and uh, so for a lot of it, the guy has. M- Excuse me. Um, guy does not, the guy, guy does not have as many beers as, <laughs> as the director did that day. Back in the golden days of the 80s, we used to drink on set. Um, yeah, so uh, we had a rehearsal there. And, and during the film, he has a lot of sort of audio flashbacks. Uh, mm. I didn't want to have to do visual flashbacks uh, because I thought mainly I thought it was nicer. You hear what he hears in his head, but also we had to go and shoot some of the stuff yeah. he hears. You always forget that a dream sequence has to be filmed. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not a dream. Yeah. It's like really complicated. Yeah. And I'm quite interested in like sound engineering as well and how you can hear things and how that triggers off memories and yeah. you don't have to see things all the time, which is, I think, really cool. So we had a day of like listening to uh, certain atmospheric noises and stuff during certain parts of the scene and music when he remembers certain things. So he, we were pretty much between us prepped and then we went off and shot everything else in the morning, got to the main scene in the afternoon. Um, and the other thing I wanted to do with this was not be, so I know sometimes on a lot of shoots you'll run like, you get your wide shot set up and you run the whole scene from that wide shot and then you've got your master, you can cut into it here and there. Uh, so it's it really a, annoying to have to do, like knowing that this scene from a distance, yeah, is you're not going to have a close up camera. So well, yeah, and the majority of it, you're not going to use the majority of that shot because you're yeah. going to be in close ups at that point. And I was just thinking for this, especially, I mean, we were time constrained as well, so it kind of helped doing it this way. But I was thinking, right, for this paragraph that he's going to say, I want this shot. For the next paragraph, I want that shot. So I'd let him start from the previous paragraph, get into it, and then come out of it, and then we'd cut. Yeah, nice. And then we'd set up the camera for the next angle. So it was a bit bitty, but it kind of made it easier in a way for Brian to be, because uh, they're like slightly different things that are going on, it made it easier for him to transition between all of this. Um, and... I mean, one thing my editor said when we first got into it, Nick, was that uh, there were some bits where we maybe could have done with the master shot to fix things up. But then when we got into the engine process, I was like, no, 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 it's fine because I don't want to see that angle on that. Mm. Like, I only want this shot on this paragraph. I only want this shot on his eyes when he's thinking about this or this shot in his hands when he's thinking about this. And did, um, you, did you do versions where he does it? more in, more intensity or quieter or softer or angrier you know like not... on the day not really because we'd had the rehearsal time oh, yeah. we kind of tweaked it um and it was good kind of having that I, the main reason i wanted the rehearsal as well is because i knew we had like no time when we got to ham house and yeah. we kind of had to get there and just do it and nail it straight away uh there'd be times where you know i might ask him to put more emphasis on one word or uh not look in a certain direction or you know little yeah. tiny things um, so that comes down to your relationship with him, right? Like yeah. You've built up trust and yeah. like you're not being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Don't look at me, Brian. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when you're saying the lines, don't look at me in the eye. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and just having that uh, that great trust with him. And um, and also, like, full credit to him, we'd, we'd met properly the day before. I mean, we met in the auditions, mm. but we met properly the day before. And he, he did auditions as well. Yeah, we did auditions. We, we, uh, That's when she met Brian. 
yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah, Brian was one of the first guys that I actually spoke to anyway over the phone when we were looking for people. Uh, and then we set up an auditions with some other people uh, and we saw their performances. And the other, I'm not going to say that bit about the casting because it will give away the twist. But uh, yeah, so, but then Brian came in and his performance was like, fuck, this guy's really good. Yeah. Like, we've got to have him. Uh, and we can fix everything else around you know that's fine like this guy is holding the film together let's yeah. bring him in um and then when we met properly for the rehearsal time i you know we went through everything uh and then on the day he'd obviously put a lot of trust in me that like i he must have thought will must know what he's doing which is great because yeah. i don't think i did what but a like, fool <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but then and then just went in the direction that i wanted to send his character in and did it and did it fantastically uh and even his little tiny nuances and things that he yeah. was doing were were along that line. Were there things on the day that you were like, oh, that's good. I wasn't expecting him to do that. Or was it very, yeah. like he was... Yeah. Because I, I just, I don't know what the... Like, no, it, it must I, be like, it's, think... it's a very, it's, you've got a very kind of uh, very pure relationship that mm. like the trust, like you're literally pointing a camera and this yeah. guy's got to act and yeah. it, exactly what you want. Yeah. It's one thing to think it, but to actually be there to on the be day, able to do it like... And, mm. Yeah, and I think... You, you always have ideas in your you you always have ideas in your head of how something's going to look and how it's going to be and it's never going to be that and when you yeah. get there on the day you know like something's going to happen that's going to put it slightly off or make it slightly better mm. and yeah watching Brian like when we were doing it he was just kind of like it was just like 110% the whole way through and I was like this is really good yeah it's really good we can crack on with the next shot really quickly now and we maybe did like two or three takes on each shot sometimes just like two takes because uh, I quite like if we've done it yeah. I want to get on with it <laughs> like I want to get on with the next shot I feel confident we've got it and as long as you know there hasn't been any issues with the camera or the sound or lighting and there's mm. not been anything like someone walking through shot or uh, because the public were there as well at Ham House at the time kids were starting to scream at that point so checking with Joe and sound that like you know you can't hear the kids screaming like you want a bit of atmosphere going on that's not a dead like, yeah. dead place that you're in but you don't want like some five-year-old just screaming their head off and crying because they haven't had an ice cream or gone and watched my film ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're more upset about. But, um, so, yeah. Because, what was I going to say? I had a, I just, it's amazing just to think that there's that many things going on and yeah. I wasn't aware of like three quarters of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Because I was wondering as well, like, uh, you know, you said you need a sound recorder and, yeah. um, Back to our swimming pool scene. Yeah. Like, would you record the splash game or would you just buy a splash noise, which is probably way better quality? Or is is there a continuous, that might be way better quality than the rest of your recording, so actually the consistency. Like, yeah. I mean, I've not really thought about yeah, the sound yeah, yeah. as a separate. As a separate entity, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think you'd always try and capture it on the day and then you, you've at least, if it's not a great, like, the quality-wise might be really good, but the, if the the sound isn't quite uh, maybe impacting enough or anything, yeah. at least then you've got it as a guide track to kind of for the editor to kind of match up. And then you might go down the route of Foley artists who mm. will uh, go and grab a giant melon yeah. and uh, throw it into a, a paddling pool at home and record that sound, and that gives an amazing effect somehow. I love it. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like bonkers how they kind of, you know, like the coconut shells making horse feet yeah. running down the road. Like how someone worked out that that was... A perfect sound on camera. I think because you're basically explaining why I love doing this podcast is that uh, there's so many things I wasn't even aware of. So you've kind of yeah. opened my eyes to so many things, that, and, I, and I love films. So yeah. like, you know, things like in Star Wars, the way they like ping electricity cables, ding, ding, yeah. to get those noises, or like the Matrix punches, like yeah, they yeah. recorded like almost all of them individually, and, yeah. just, and you're like, that's 
it's nice to see that it is as much effort as you yeah. think it would. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, I, that's one of the things I love is then when people are trying to up their game with it and, you know, say like someone's punching something you like with the Matrix and you've got different punches going on, maybe they've just gone to like a meat factory and they're just yeah. punching different yeah. animals and different Rocky ones. Style. Yeah, <laughs> Rocky style. But like different animals give off different sounds and hitting them in different places yeah. would give off different sounds as well. And you, you think, right, well, he's just punching them in the face there. So that's a slap to a chicken. Yeah. He punches him in the gut there. It's definitely a punch in the pig, you know. Yeah. But knowing that those little, th- you know, and then when you, you watch it back as someone who hasn't known that that process has happened and you're convinced that those are the real sounds, that's brilliant. When you yeah. when you have no idea of how it's all come together. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I remember, you know, talking about Lord of the Rings in the, I can't remember which one it is, but there's a massive spider that gets Frodo and like wraps him up. Oh, like the, like the third one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's like wrapping him up. And yeah. it, but it's this horrible, slimy... <laughs> Yeah. Noise. And then watching them do it and they've got like toilet plungers going mm. Like into, yeah, into yeah, a yeah. bowl of water or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, it's so basic, but at the same yeah. time amazing. But yeah, and then they'll know that that's how you get that sound as well. That's yeah. that's the skill in it is not just being able to do that, but then knowing, have the knowledge and the experience yeah. behind you to be able to pull it off. And I, and then I guess sometimes seeing that, uh, again, I don't know why Lord of the Rings is just the makings of so good, but in the last one, they're firing these massive rocks. Yeah. And they're trying to make the noise. And Peter Jackson's like, well, do you know what the sound of a massive rock? So they just yeah. went to a quarry and drop a 10 ton rock onto a load of wood. Wow. And that's the noise. There's and I was noise. like, that's like boys playing yeah, stuff, yeah. though, isn't it? It's it like, is. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the really exciting things with this is that you are, <clears throat> when you get down into those sort of aspects of it, you're basically playing with big boy toys yeah. a lot of the time. I mean, playing with a hundred grand camera, you're yeah. like, this is the closest I'm going to get to a bazooka, yeah. really, isn't it? This exactly. is like my yeah, electronic yeah. version of yeah. a bazooka. <laughs> it's fantastic. And you, you kind of the buzz that you get off that sometimes is is brilliant. Especially that you're organising it. This is like you're the orchestrator of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, You're like... That's what I was going to ask you. Um, one of the things I struggle with personally is like just retaining confidence and momentum in a project. Yeah, yeah. I tend to have wild enthusiasm, yeah. probably coupled with coffee. Yeah. I think about it loads. I love it. It's the best idea ever. Yeah. And I start it. It's total shite. Yeah. And then I go down. I lose all confidence in it. Yeah. I stop and move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah. I have a habit of doing that. Yeah. The podcast is one of the few things that I've, because of it's like, I just talk. Yeah. I yeah. can do that. That's yeah. easy. And I can do it every couple of, I, sometimes I don't feel do them for a month because yeah. I've stacked three back to back. But how, like with a film project, it's quite intense, I would imagine. Yeah. So like, it's a similar thing, I think, with like your, with the podcast with you in that, like I've got so many ideas in my head and I'm just like, oh, I should go out, we should do this. And like, oh, we should do a comic book, which would be yeah. like the lead up to how the film starts. And then we'll sell like, we'll have like the action figures and people go and play with the action figures and then they won't know why they're playing with them, but that's part of the film as yeah. well. And uh, I think the key to it all of like keeping it all go. Well, I think the key to it all is like keeping it all going and just keeping all the all those ideas, yeah. just let them happen. And when people are just like, oh, shut up, you're always coming up with ideas and you never follow them through. It's like, because yeah. there's so many, yeah. I can't follow them all through. But like, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I think the other thing is probably get married yeah. because uh, they just tell you to shut up. Yeah, I was and- about to say, it's, uh, <laughs> I was, do you know what, it's funny you say that because I'm actually just thinking of my wife, my wife going, why? Yeah, yeah. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. And it's her face. And I'm like, yeah. just piss on my parade, right? Yeah, like, no, it is. But you're right. Hugely. But, like, yeah. but, in the, but in the best way possible, yeah, yeah. like, you kind of need someone who can be that close to you to, you know, yeah. to annoy you that they didn't quite like this or that. Or, but, that, or yeah. that you're, you know, uh, yeah, my wife's always saying, you know, you're always chatting about things, you never get on and do it. 
like I was chatting about I want to go to the gym more and I just I just don't and I won't but like <laughs> if I keep chatting about it at least there's a potential that I will go maybe three yeah. times a week instead of once a month but um I don't know what your wife's like but I I, I actually take a compliment from my wife yeah. way higher than anyone because she's incapable yeah. of lying to me yeah she'll just go yeah yeah it's okay uh, but yeah. when she goes that's really good I'm like yeah oh, yes because yes, it must yeah, yeah. be really yeah. good <laughs> yeah when um uh, I, I, I always like to kind of use her as like one of my first critics um, and try and not let her see anything until it's happened. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard because I'm like, oh, this is like, we just done this edit. It's really cool. And I know she'll come over and watch it and be like, well, that needs fixing, that needs fixing, that needs fixing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that's edit two. Yeah, yeah. So this is edit one. Like, yeah. just shut up and watch it. So I try and keep her out of it as much as possible until towards the end. Um, ice cream, I remember she, she liked, but she wasn't massively over enthused about it. And I was like, oh. Oh, that was my first short film. God you, damn you, and, woman. Yeah, I was like, can you like, like, like it a bit yeah. more? But, um, and then when we made the film for Blockstop, she was like, fuck, that's really good. And I was like, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. What was that? Yeah. You said that's really good. That's nice. I heard you. I've yeah, got it now. I got it. I got it in my head. You said that. Uh, and then Somatic, uh, I know that uh, she said she really liked that as well. Um, I think with Somatic, though, I kind of, it was a lot longer project than before, so she's probably about you know a bit fed up with it. But we yeah. we recently watched it uh, myself and her and two friends when we were on holiday together. They wanted to have a preview of it, and they had a smart TV, so we put it on and they watched it. And I kind of I kind of sat there not watching it because I'd seen it so many times and just watched the rest of them. And she was like, "Yeah, it's really good. Well done." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a compliment there. Yes, that's yes. really." Well, we are we are rapidly coming to the two hour mark, oh, so so I will I will uh, wrap this up. Yeah. But one of the okay, so another thing mm-hmm. that I get shy of, and now I wanted to ask yeah. you about, is that I don't actually like people. I don't like watching people listen to what I've done. If yeah. they come up to me after and say, oh, "I listen to your podcast," oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But if I if I know that they're listening to it on the computers, I hate yeah. that. So, like, did you did you? hire a cinema hire a screen or like how did you show off your video did you get everyone in a room like guys I finished the film come and watch somatic we because we're about to go like start doing festivals and stuff Uh, we're trying to organise a screening for the cast and crew at the moment which would be amazing if we can get that sorted out because I'd much rather have everyone together watch it for the first time than uh, like with ice cream we just sent everyone the link and they could all watch it at home Um, so yeah that'd be much better but I remember when we did Blockstop so we went to uh, Southwark Playhouse to go and be part of the audience uh, myself and the editor Nick um, and a friend of ours Aaron who came along with us and I just instead of because I'd seen that film you know as you do loads of times I literally just sat in the audience just watching everyone watch it and I was like and I was saying to Nick I was like this is the weirdest thing and he was like yeah I know he was like I've never watched people watch my stuff before either and I was like yeah it's just really like and no one was like oh boy you know which was good no one was like OTT either mm. which was quite good but everyone was just kind of smiling and happy and enjoying it and like like you know watching yeah. it and I was like this is so weird like no one knows that we're here and that the, the, those two names that just popped up on the screen like in the credits there are yeah. they don't know that link between us and them and we're just like immersed in this audience watching people's reactions just the weirdest feeling was it a good really, thing like, a good feeling but um, did you not hate it you're like oh that person over there I, if there was a hundred people in the room yeah. and two of them didn't like it I would just concentrate on those two and be like I, I think so, I'm terrible yeah. at that. Yeah, no, like, I, I am. Like my own I moan too much about yeah. stuff. And I think I probably would be like, yeah, well, like, Jeff and Dan didn't like it. So <laughs> yeah. I think fuck off. Yeah, but like, fuck you, Jeff. Yeah, well, Jeff wore a stupid tie. So <laughs> that's why he doesn't like stuff. And like Dan hasn't even got shoes on. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd like to do that a bit more uh, in the... 
like initially when we went in in the playhouse to go and watch it, I was really nervous because I was like, oh my God, we're going to be surrounded by people who are going to watch our, our film. At the moment it started, that feeling just went away. And I'd spent, yeah, I spent the whole time just watching everyone. Yeah. And I was just fascinated by the reactions. And I thought this is like having like a focus group watch your film for the first time, like um, trying to pick up on what they did yeah. and didn't like. And I'd love to do that a bit more, just like watch people, watch stuff, but people that I don't know. Uh, it, when you watch your friends and family watching stuff, it's like the thing when you've got like a, you do a GCC project and you show it to your family for the first time and they're like, yeah, it's really nice. You just get really embarrassed and shy. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's nice, but yeah, shut up. But um, yeah, I'd love to watch like just a, a, a normal audience watch somatic and just see what they actually think how many um uh for, for editing basically what i was gonna say mm -hmm. is, um so i listened as, as, as a throwaway comment my dad yeah. listened to this podcast and went uh it's great but you don't actually talk about anything and i was like dad it's an hour <laughs> long he's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah but you're not you don't you know there's no like <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like there's no bullet points yeah sure yeah. and it like it was just such a oh jesus come on that's such but, a parent comment though, yeah isn't it? yeah like and, uh, but with your film yeah. did it like during an edit, you yeah. someone go, you know, it's just not working. And you're like, because that must be the hardest comment to work against. I yeah. guess the, the advantage of a shorter film is that it, it, it naturally is super tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that, that, that's hugely one of my worries is if someone watches it and doesn't get it. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, we failed. Like, and, and because you've shot everything and you've invested so much time and, and people's money into like shooting this was a palaver in a good way but yeah. it was a palaver and there was a huge amount involved and if we had to go back and shoot a bit of it it like it would just be out the, it would unfortunately be out the question if it was like a bigger feature film or a TV programme oh for like reshoots or something yeah go for reshoots like send off a second unit go and film it properly for us and we'll put yeah. it in the edit um, and that was one of my biggest worries was that people would watch it and not get it uh, and because you haven't got that reliance that you can go off and reshoot bits that yeah. don't work it's a bit more stressful. Uh, my one of my aunties watched it over the weekend uh, and got back to me with um, her views on what she thought it was all about. And I can't. I kind of leave the end of it open ended. Like I don't yeah. tell you how something has happened. I just kind of. It's all. It's a bit arty and lovely mm -hmm. and stuff. But um, she had her own. She was saying, well, "What happens at the end?" And I said, "Well, what do you think happens?" And she told me. Um, and I won't say what she thought because I don't want like you go and watch it and you'll see. But um, yeah, it wasn't what I thought and I kind of left it. But I was like, she didn't say she didn't get it. She Are you like, it. ugh, it's <laughs> not what fucking happens in the film, you <laughs> thicko. <laughs> he flies home in a rocket ship. Um, <laughs> um, but it was... <laughs> Just hang up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> not coming around your house again. It was a stupid party. Um, it was Are you quite yeah, happy to party. hear people, but, um, at least they've emotionally engaged with it, right? Yeah, you know, no, like, exactly. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, and it was really nice kind of hearing plan. a different point of view on it. And because yeah. I had, I purposely left it open-ended. Uh, I was like, I've not thought that. That's quite cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not in my mind what it is, but that doesn't mean that I'm right. I made it and directed it and wrote it and la, 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 but I'm not, because I've left it open-ended, that means there isn't the right answer to it. Yeah. It's hugely wrong answers. Yeah. You really don't get it. Like, oh, Do you know what I on. think happened? That's wrong. Yeah. Okay, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. Go away. Do um, you, um, <laughs> okay. I, I will. I, I keep saying yeah, I'm keep No, no, but I'm going to keep talking uh, naturally. Mm. But one of the things that, um, do you watch South Park? 
Uh, uh, yeah. 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 So, you know, when Mr. Garrison writes a book, it's a romantic novel yeah. uh, between a man and a woman. Yeah. He's like, it's actually, you mentioned the word cock in it like 5,000 times, yeah, the yeah. gayest novel ever. Yeah. And he gives away per, part of his personality. He wasn't aware that he was giving away, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, do you ever think <laughs> in your films that, like, you're a massive homosexual? <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, you know, like maybe. I don't know, like if you're a hopeless romantic or something, yeah, and yeah. a lot of your films concentrate on... And then uh, just every that. film people watch, it's like, that's really wet. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, is that... like? Do you feel yeah, like yeah. you're giving away a bit of your personality or you're like, no, I'm actively going to not engage with something by doing something else? Because yeah. no matter how hard you try, you're either... You're going to inject yourself into it, aren't you? Ignoring yeah. something and doing something else or way over-engaging in something. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. That massively. I, uh, I think that with Christopher Nolan, that he's like, not in a bad way, but I think he's got dad issues. Yeah, you watch his films. There's always a father figure thing going on, and I don't know whether or not it's like it's because he's that got same guy. What's his name? Uh, Alfred. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. Yeah. Um, Michael Caine. Uh. And uh, yeah, so and I was thinking with that, I was like, yeah, he's he's got these. He, you know, you watch a Christopher Nolan thing, and there's always a father figure thing in Interstellar. It's about the relationship between a father and a daughter. Uh, Batman there's lost all those parents. other sounds of it lost his parents <laughs> yeah. uh, even in the prestige it's about uh, you know you've got that element of Christian Bale's character trying to reach out to his daughter as well yeah it's father and daughter actually actually Inception's exactly the same it's, it's Cobb lost his wife and oh, his yeah, kids yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah lost his wife and kids yeah uh, and it, which I guess maybe it's something because it resonates with everyone because you know, right, yeah, family's important to everyone yeah. but at the same time I wonder if there is something where you know, public, he, he's never spoken about something. Yeah. And uh, he just wants to talk about it through his films. So, I don't know, maybe... But I, I guess, because like, I was thinking... That'll happen with me. And it, it, I didn't ask, maybe. it's just because I'd never, ever thought about real actually doing a short film. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw yours, and I was like, I'd love to try it. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I'd be very good at it, I want to try it. Yeah, yeah. And then I was looking at yours thinking, do you know what? Well, now I realise what elevates it above a normal film is the, you know, <laughs> all the all the work that goes in behind it. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, well, you've got great actors, yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic great, actors, great cameras, obviously, great, nice. everything looks really yeah, nice. Yeah. And then the, the set was so nice, yeah. And I was thinking, because this is what I was going to ask you. I mean, if the project that I'm going on goes ahead, yeah. On the previous project, I was on Broadgate, we built skyscraper, but for yeah. ages it was just like hanging steel right in the centre of London. And yeah. I was thinking. If you're going to film, I don't know, I was thinking of loads of different things, but something where you're yeah. up on high in the middle of London, there's that sense of like being in the middle of the heart of the city, but yeah. being totally lonely. It's that lovely contrast. And I was yeah, thinking, yeah. you know, if if I had the opportunity, you know, to give someone the ability to film up there, yeah. it would be amazing because you'd yeah. have this billion pound set, yeah. but it would be free type thing. And that, yeah. and the reason it got me thinking was um, I walk around Alexandra Palace in North London yeah. every day with my dog and baby. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love it. You so, put the baby on the dog like a donkey. Naturally. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a ma- baby carrier. I'm not carrying my baby. <laughs> and, uh, but it's like, it's abandoned in parts. Like yeah. it's dilapidated or whatever. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, to film up there yeah. suddenly gives you, it elevates your film from just being yeah. like a normal person yeah. on the street to being in an environment that you wouldn't normally yeah. go in. Definitely. I mean, I need, you know, years of training and very expensive cameras, director photography, cinematography, gaffer. Uh, but I think if you've got a great <laughs> idea, that's the, that the basis for every like good film is that the story is good. Yeah. So I think if you've got that, then it's just going to convince people to come along yeah. with you on the right. And it's, I guess it's probably like any other job where, say like you came up with an idea for not like an awesome car. Mm. You'd go then approach people who make cars. Yeah. And be like, I've got this idea for an awesome car. It basically goes underwater, but it's not like the shit one that was in James Bond with Roger Moore. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's proper good. It's proper good and it doesn't like it doesn't look pants. 
Um, and they'd be like, you know, like Volkswagen were like, whoa, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because at Volkswagen, <laughs> like after everything that's happened, we were like quite chilled out now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So I guess you'd go over to the car manufacturers and got talk it. to them. So I guess if you've got a good story, go and, sp- and you want it. Uh, recently, I can't remember the name of the book and I'm kind of halfway through it and I need to remember the name of the book. There was a, a, a guy in France was writing, he was commissioned by the government to write about the uh, environment and everything that's going on over there. He started writing about it and realised that it wasn't just going to be a quick turnaround on a paper. It's a huge topic. Uh, and basically wrote this documentary about it. And instead of making it into a film or a TV series, he's made a comic book. And I was like, God, that's really good. You've got a story. Yeah. Instead of just like obviously making it into a film or TV series, you made a comic book. Yeah. So I think if you've got a story, you can just go to wherever you want it to go, whatever medium you want it in, yeah. and approach people and be like, look, here's my story. And as long as the story's good, then uh, I think people will jump on board and get in with okay. it. Okay, as my last question. Go for it. Promise. Yeah. Last thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the set, the actors, the costumes, yeah. the time period that it's set in. Yeah. Is that all after you've thought of a story? Like what comes first, chicken or the egg? In this case it was, yeah. So with somatic, uh, so I had this idea about, uh, basically I was like, well, people, I wonder what happens when people get to the end of their lives and I wonder if they reflect on things or maybe they don't, they might do. Uh, uh, I, I was thinking in my late 20s, I was like, oh, you know, I wish I hadn't gone to university and I'd just gone on and done yeah. my job. And uh, and I was thinking, oh, maybe in your like late sixties, what if you uh, do you reflect more on your life and you wish that you hadn't gone down these routes? And because you've got your whole life behind you, you can kind of see it from a uh, different perspective. Captain Hindsight, yeah, yeah. Captain Hindsight rocks up. Um, <laughs> and so I, that was that's basically the 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 main part of the story is someone reflecting on their lives and talking about the good, the, pro, the, the pros mm. and the cons of everything. Um, and then to give it a bit more meat, I thought, why don't we set it? Like not why? Why do we have to make it modern? Like it's, it's a story that can fit in any time context. Yeah. Uh, and then one thing that did get me thinking uh, was how during the Second World War, you always have like these horrendous experiments going on in Nazi Germany, and they were doing this and this to make yeah. super soldiers and la 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 la. And then obviously Marvel are like, oh, we got Captain America, and we made a like super soldier out there. And I thought you you don't hear too much about in England how like we must have been up to no good as well, like yeah. trying to. If you could get, like, my idea then was if you could get all the old people uh, in England at the time who can't fight because they're too old, if you could somehow turn them around and turn them into, like, soldiers, then you've got, like, a whole new batch of people to go into yeah. the army. And the government would probably be like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. That'd yeah, be good. Um, they're on the last legs anyway. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Just turn them around yeah. and get them back. Um, so I just thought, right, if we said it in the 1940s, uh, then we've got, like, this extra layer of texture to the film. The film's mainly about a guy reflecting on his life, but I wanted to give a, uh, I wanted to almost give him like a reward for talking about it and a prize, like, you know, sort of a prize to it all. But then thought, I need some way of that to happen. I can't just be like, da da, there you go. Like, I had to put it in the context of something. So, and then I just thought, like, let's put it in the Second World War. Um, the guy, uh, Dan Engs, who played Dr. Robert Briggs in that, Dr. Robert Briggs was an actual scientist in Massachusetts who was at the forefront of cloning technology. And so I kind of extrapolated yeah. him from uh, from fact, put him into my fiction um, as like an extra layer of like, so if anyone ever knew what he, like his name or ever looked him up, yeah. they would find another layer to all this is going on. So I just tried to kind of onion layer as much as I could uh, without kind of doing too much as well. Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, I, because no, I think, um, 
Uh, so I, the reason I ask you is because yeah. I find the whole process really interesting. I think the things that are most interesting are honest to you as a person, right? Yeah. So um, people keep banging on about how amazing Deadpool is and how it's transformed and everything. Yeah, You're yeah. like, no, it's just honest to its, it's comic just, book yeah, material. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the podcast that I love, like the Nerdist and Mark Maron. Yeah. Like they're so openly honest about yeah. the things that have affected them before. Yeah. And to me, it feels like it's that Zen point where you you're working, but it doesn't feel like work because you're just yeah. channeling stuff. Yeah, that, you're not even really thinking. It's yeah, just yeah. coming. Like the podcast for yeah. me is fun. Yeah. Like I don't ever stress about it, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. And the thing when I was thinking about a film, and the reason I asked you about personality, and is because if someone goes right, you come up with any idea you want. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. You just go whoop, straight to the back of your head. You do. Yeah, and find yeah. that memory that yeah. makes you think, oh, I'd be interesting to know a bit more about the history of why things change. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I find the fact that you're able to do your own films, you know, why yeah. ice cream, why the ice cream ones? Yeah. Like, well, that was all, yeah, that's on a similar thing, I think. It's like all nostalgia. Of, yeah. You know, being a kid in the 90s and what it was like to go and get an ice cream. And that's yeah. all memories and looking back on the past. So I guess maybe there is a, I'm constantly going to be looking back on everything. Yeah. But Someone will tell fine, me up one yeah. day and be like, you need to live in the present and like <laughs> look forward to the future where things will be good. I'll be like, no, 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 the past is quite interesting actually. Have a kid, you'll never be able to not live in the present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It never stops. <laughs> be at work a lot and then come home late all the time. And yeah. Then go to work really early. Best dad ever. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, it's uh, the reason I want this GoPro is like, uh, I just, uh, I just want to be able to film Max. Yeah. Like, yeah. but, when I took a GoPro on holiday, like I didn't actually use that many of the films, but yeah. the camera shots we got was so good because yeah. they're right in people's faces doing yeah, yeah. the most ridiculous things. Yeah. And like, so yeah, this is why I'm in a very, very, very small amount. I, a, I wanted to. There do. was a YouTube link somewhere. I think there's probably loads of them of uh, when people are setting up time lapses, not just on GoPros but on other cameras, and the faces of the camera assistants as they're doing it, yeah. and just looking at it, going, ah, and just pulling the stupidest faces. And it's just like, oh, come on, guys. You're going to set up this camera for the first time and you're looking straight at it. Just pull a nice face for the first shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, right. We're going to wrap this up. Cool. What's next? So next, uh, so starting already in a little bit of pre-production of uh, a film called The Lighthouse, um, a guy that I met through when we were making Somatic, Jack Chapman, who's an actor, um, he's also a fantastic writer, and he's re- he's just constantly writing loads of stuff. And he just said to me, "Do you want to do you want to read this short film? Uh, it was about a guy who lives in a lighthouse, and it's sort of a horror thriller. And there's a twist, and that happens. Uh, and um, yeah, so we just thought, right, yeah, let's just make that. And like, I'm trying to, yeah. So we've been trying to finish off somatic and get all that done at the same time. Trying to look into this script and trying to like yeah. get things going with that, which is really cool. Trying to have like two projects on the go uh but then on top of that uh block stop needed an extra scene for the end of their film because one of their characters became more important and they realized when the first time they did the tour of their play so we shot that and then we've gone edited to that so i had like i've had like three things on the go at the moment which has been a bit bonkers but wow. yeah lighthouse is next uh i'm not sure when we're shooting early summer i think um, and how are you funding that? How is is that a, your own film? It's you and this guy working together, or are you? Yeah, Jack is uh, Jack's doing the Kickstarter for it at the moment, um, and looking after that. It's a bit tricky after doing Indiegogo of then turning around to everyone and being like, "Hey, I'm doing another one." Like, yeah. give and me they're like, "All right, yeah. well." So I'm kind of I'm trying to promote it and look after it as much as I can with him, uh, but it's it, it'll be really tricky to go and ask people again for loads of money. So what how, what's your gut feeling with that? Then you're going to actually. Tr- 
try and get proper financing through normal channels again, or are you going to go through the whole crowdsourcing? I think uh, so. The Kickstarter has already started. Um, oh, wicked! I think it's been running for like a week now. Um, and I think it's doing fairly well at the moment. Um, I should have looked before I came in, and then I could have give you like stats and figures. Like twenty two percent of people well, are. Thanks, uh, Will. Now you've ruined the podcast. Yeah, yeah. God, right, right at the end. Yeah. Sorry, guys. How many people got this far? And then went, oh, I wonder how he's doing on his Kickstarter. Yeah, he didn't even say how much Kickstarter was. What a douche. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's doing, it's, it's doing fairly well at the moment. Uh, and it's like got 20 days on it, or 25 days on it left. Uh, it was only like a 30-day run. Um, what's, yeah. uh, what's your target? Three. Okay. Yeah. Does this guy own a, where, uh, a lighthouse? The a warehouse. A warehouse, a Does lighthouse. Does he own a warehouse? <laughs> so we can turn to, uh, no, so that is, uh, so lighthouses are, I mean, a friend of mine, Sam, is a uh, uh, production manager and she's working on this as a producer and she's absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, and we've been looking into lighthouses and one of the things that she found out is that it's quite hard to get onto a lighthouse uh, depending on where the lighthouse is, uh, I think it's slightly easier if you've got a boat, you can get there. But one of the ones we were looking, we were looking at God Revy down in um, Cornwall, uh, which looks absolutely beautiful and would be amazing. And I think if we were TV film budget, we would be able to do it. But it's going to be like six, seven grand to get a helicopter for us to go over to the lighthouse. And a helicopter, to, yeah. And then we'd have to get gear over there, and then we'd probably have to do a few trips back and forth. And it's just, it's just that's just. Not quite. So I guess a large part of the film is the seclusion of being stuck in a warehouse. Going, yeah. There's ones on the edge of hills and stuff. Why don't you go in there? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no. But then they but can leave. Having it out to sea. Yeah, yeah. Got it. So, Got um, it. yeah, so that's, I mean, it's fine. I, I One of the things I really love about making short films is that you've got like no budget, but you know how things are made properly. And yeah. you've got proper people behind you and proper cast as well behind you. And you've just got to work out how you're going to make it happen. Yeah. Like on a, bigger film and TV budget uh, you've because you've got the budget when you come up with your first idea that's normally the idea that will then stick of how you're going to make something yeah. whereas with this it's like okay well this is how we would do it with big money when we come so how are we going to do it and then we've got to work it out do you, uh, do you think that you'd have these opportunities if you hadn't have gone to university and come the route you had if you just literally got out and gone fuck this I'm going to make my own films and just started you know made a film because yeah. I was thinking like hindsight yeah yeah Ta-da. uh <laughs> It's all very well to say, um, oh, do you know what? The first film, you know, I learned so much. Yeah. Because you can look back and you're on a trajectory, right? Yeah, Whereas yeah. at the time, if I'm not saying your yeah, first yeah. film, I'm just saying Affa's film, if it's total shite, yeah. you've learned tons. Yeah. But at the time, you're in my trough of my, like, I'm shit, yeah. I would just stop. But yeah. being in a bigger industry means that, oh, there's lo- oh, there's this web of people that yeah, are meeting yeah. and, and getting to know. Yeah. So, like, whilst, whilst it may have been longer... Yeah. Think of where you are now. Like, do you yeah. think it would have been? I think, uh, I think university was good for like different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like it, it probably put me in a different place when I left. <laughs> then maybe if I just left, I probably would have been, I don't know, maybe I think I came out of university and I was I sort of had that bit of arrogance. That I've got a film degree behind me. And then that was just knocked out of me straight away. Yeah. Like, Go and make the season coffee. So I was like, ah, oh, okay. But also by then, Doing that and, and realizing that I couldn't just go in with a film degree and just start making films uh, unless I had loads of money behind me, which I know some people have kind of left film school and make films and yeah. they do really well because they know the right people. It's really annoying. <sighs> exactly the same in architecture. Yeah. I have incredibly wealthy parents yeah. and I have every opportunity that you have. Yeah, exactly. And I've just designed the whole of Northumberland. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, 
I think one of the things I've always been grateful for with this industry is uh, how it has been tough and it has been a learning curve and I've mm. had to work my way up the ranks in the camera department. And I've done it because I want to do it and I want to have a career in this industry. And the part of me that wants to be a film director, that's always kind of been there. I've just kind of thought I need to like, I think it's like with any industry, you need to kind of train and learn and mm. know how every department works. And if you want to be a director of a company, you need to know what everyone's doing. Yeah. If you go in as a director of a company because you've got a shitload of money and, you know, someone's yeah. giving you some opportunity, that's great, but you're probably not going to be as appreciative of why some yeah. people are doing things and you're probably going to be a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah, massively. <laughs> massively <laughs> a dick. I mean, there were a few people I know who have gone in that way and probably in their personal nature haven't been dicks, so they've been okay. But, like, I've seen it where they've just been, you know, not understanding why the, the uh, sound assistant is taking so long to put a radio mic on someone. I just get on with it. Blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, no, these things take time. You've got to learn why things take time. And, and you, you don't have to know, the like, each department inside out, but you need to know what they're doing and how That's they're doing. That's actually the exactly what these things teach you. You've got to understand why things take time. Yeah. Because you're so fucking impatient when yeah. you're a kid, especially in this generation where I want everything now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like this is, I mean, I went from having no, like no life projects under my belt to going on to yeah. the largest office make it ever done or the city has ever done. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is so slow. Like yeah. I just couldn't get my head around how yeah. fucking slow everything was. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, actually it's quite fast. Like once you yeah. know what's going on in the background. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Now. I get <laughs> it. But yeah, right. So, and on that note, God. you should go... <laughs> And watch all his short films because they're wicked. And uh, yeah. you're going to come on again in about six months, I guarantee. Oh, probably, yeah. Please. <laughs> I'm just going to hang out in the back of the booth for a bit. I'm not going home. Send Brilliant. my wife a text message. I'm not coming home. Thank you very much, Will. Pleasure. Cheers, dude. Well, there you go. That was episode 20 with Will Nash. Um, I learned a lot uh, that podcast uh, that was brilliant I uh, it's funny listening back to it um, uh, just how uh, little I realised had gone into making uh, his short film uh, not through any fault of his just that I just wasn't aware of the stuff he'd done um, yeah it's just it, it's really cool uh, to kind of you know understand the inner workings of the movie industry and um <clears throat> A big part of the Create More podcast is just the idea that, you know, just consist, just keep trying to do new stuff, quite cool stuff. Um, but like stuff that's honest to you, uh, as we were kind of touched on in the podcast, just the idea that, you know, he's doing a film that he wants to do. Um, I find that really uh, creatively uh, open and inspiring in the exact same way that this podcast is like, I don't. I haven't planned more than a month ahead. Like, I don't know who I'm going to interview. Sometimes I'll sit down, literally read an article or hear someone chatting at work about something cool they saw um, and, and then just get that person's contact details and then interview them. I I, I think, to me, that is the, the the perfect way to kind of get my creative juices out there um, and, you know, to hear him talk in that kind of same way. But that's his actual job. Um, I think it's really cool. I I have a lot of respect for him and it's it's really hard what he does and he makes it seem very easy which is uh i guess the gift of the gab right um uh so yeah i feel like maybe if you'd put your dreams out there then maybe people can help but um so 
Will Nash's short film, he wants to do films. I think I just have a love for music videos. Um, uh, I try and explain to my wife that every time I listen to a song uh, in my head, that's a music video all the time. I'm always, I don't, I can't not think like that. If I hear like a really like awesome dubstep song for some reason, I always associate that with some sort of boxing or training montage. Every time the beat kicks in, when someone does a press up or punches a punch bag or. Um, uh, as I said, like for my 30th, you know, I always wanted to be a DJ. So I just decided to DJ for a night. And then since that point, every time I hear an amazing like, DJ song, like a drum bass or, you know, like a trance song or something, um, uh, imagine DJing and imagine doing a, a film or whatever, or listen to some like cool music. I always just think of these kind of weird music videos that I could do. So rambling over, but what I want to do, uh, I'm going to say in a year, how about that for a target in a year, I want to do a music video on the roof of Ali Pali. Not like, like a Nickelback talking into the distance, uh, but more like, um, uh, uh, I haven't really decided, but just kind of like quite a, like a, an artsy film at night. You know, I just, I think if you've ever been to Alexandra Palace in North London, one of the things I'm obsessed about in London is uh, finding these quiet spaces in the total chaos of London. Um, and, you know, having just had a boy and needing to be out of the house to let my wife go to sleep. You know, I've been up all hours walking around Alexandra Palace uh, at like six in the morning when there's literally no one around and you have a view all across London. And, you know, I've been there on a Saturday and there's thousands of people around. So for me, it's this quiet space. But I know there's a, if you know Alexandra Palace, there's a transmitter. It's like something like, I'm going to say 80 to 100 metres high, really high, but it has a ladder up there. I spoke to the security guard. I said, can I climb that? And he went, you can't. And I was like, I don't mean me, but can someone, if they have the permission? They're like, well, sure. So I love Ali Pali, want to find out way more about Ali Pali, um, uh, the history of it. So I'm going to try to sit down and set up a podcast with... Um, uh, like the historian of Alexandra Palace, because I'm fascinated by the history of it as well. And um, part of this is to find out more, again, just because I want to. Um, uh, so I really, really want to do that. So again, I, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast about Alexandra Palace. Um, and then big news, and if you're listening right to the end, then this news is for you. Um, if you're interested in the Brexit Bremain um uh, debate. Well, my mum, Gisela Stewart, is the Labour MP and is also um, someone who is now kind of spearheading the Brexit campaign. Uh, and over the next two or three weeks, we'll be coming more and more prominent in that campaign. And I hadn't, it's really important. I don't really know enough about it. Um, I haven't made a decision to stay or leave, but I know my mum is definitely on the leave camp. Um, so I I thought I would sit down, so I interviewed her on the weekend, uh, and it's going to be released um, next week, so not the 10th, so a week today, um, and uh, yeah, we have a full hour talking about Brexit, and um, I think that'll be part one of two as well, so I'm going to do another one a couple of weeks later. Um, yeah, a lot going on, so I really hope you enjoyed it, thank you so much for listening, and especially this rambling bit at the end, and if in any way you want to help, um, that'd be amazing, thank you, bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Bye-bye. <laughs> 